Uh, welcome to another episode of the Kick and Cover podcast. I have a special guest with us today. Uh, we have Coach Chris Rapon, and I think I just rip on. Yes, there we go. Uh, see, I'm telling, I'm trying not to butcher it. You know, there you I, go. I know I'm going you know, to. You're, you're in the ballpark. Yeah, uh, Coach. How, first, how are you doing before we head on um, to any, any this our snowballing? I, I, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. I'm excited about being uh, with you today on New Year's Day, and glad uh, Nick that. Uh, you know, 2020 is over, but, uh, and there were some negatives, certainly, but, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate. Uh, personally, I, my daughter graduated from med school. Awesome. My two sons got um, uh, boosted up in their jobs. I have a, my, my twin daughters, one is just became a doctor. One is the director of social and digital media for the SEC. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, so our kids, yeah, our kids are. Uh, are doing fantastic. My wife and I just celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary. I uh, had an opportunity to start my own business and, of course, to, to meet people like you um, in a different environment than we normally would have, whether it was at a coaching clinic or connections through yeah. uh, through football. Well, that, that, and I tell people all the time, like, I'm appreciative that I'm able to do this and communicate with people and meet this way, but at the same time, I would much rather do it in person at a clinic or at say whatever university you would be at or just something. I, I, I prefer the, that, that is the one thing. That's not the one thing, but that is one of the things I miss most. Like the fact that we're probably going to no in-person clinics or if, if we do like one or two here and there, like, because it's part of the great thing about an in-person clinic is you get to see people you haven't seen in a while, catch right. up and shit. And, Let's be honest. There is a you've been to clinics, you've done clinics. Like it is, there's always those side clinics that happen at clinics where there's eight of you in a side room on a whiteboard or a mirror drawing up stuff. That is just it's it's a good time and good bonding experience. And yeah, that's no, you're 100 percent right. I, I I've had uh, I've attended clinics as I was starting up in the in the profession and learned a great deal and was that guy that hung around to the very end uh and would grab somebody and have an opportunity to get more information and develop a relationship and then transitioning to being that guy you know that people wanted to stick around with and everything else um there was also a time and, and you know again you're much younger uh there was a point there when we were at syracuse in well, all the time I was there from 93 to 2004, where spring practice was opened up to high school coaches. And it was an assignment for me as an assistant that I would be available for the high school coaches. There would be two coaches available in the morning. We would do our work and, and they were had the opportunity to study the film and the cutups and everything else. They were allowed to be in the in the position meetings and the unit meetings. They'd watch practice, and then it was our responsibility in the evening for us to, again, there were two coaches assigned, so those high school staffs got front row and center and got to learn. And, and what's funny is uh, I ran into an, our offensive coordinator here at Ole Miss two years ago, um, and I were looking at each other. He had just gotten hired. He was on one side of the table in the staff room and I was on the other and we're kind of looking at each other. And I'm like, I know you. I, and coach Luke introduced everybody to Phil Longo. And 
Uh, Phil Longo had come from Sam Houston, originally a high school coach in New Jersey, who used to come and visit us at Syracuse. There you go. And after the meeting, it was he walks up, he says, Rip, Phil, you know, I mean, and that's where we had started our relationship. And of course, now he's doing a phenomenal job. He's doing a fantastic job, coach. He's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, he's a, he was a high school coach at Persephone High School in in North Jersey. Is where we had first when he came up to Syracuse to meet with us. I, I would be amazed if he doesn't have a job offer here soon for a big school. Like, in terms yeah, of being a head coach. I be like, good. I mean, he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, he, uh, everywhere he's been, he's done a he's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, no, uh, Mac Brown made a, a home run hire with that one. Like, that's, I mean... That yeah, I don't know him personally like you do, but I mean, there's there's stuff that's like you can just tell. Like, let's just be honest, you know. Um, so, um, but yeah, so kind of actually, before we get into what we're talking about today, do you want to kind of give people a little bit about your background? Obviously, with the old Miss hat on, you're the former special teams coordinator. <laughs> it's there. the only. It, uh, it was handy, and my wife was giving me a hard time because she cuts my hair. Uh, and uh, she, we we were scheduled for yesterday for it to happen, and things got away a little bit. I forgot to remind her, and she said, "You can't go on there." And, okay, I'll wear a hat. <laughs> um, and this is the one that's left that the dog hasn't gotten to. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to make this quick. I I uh, went to a high school, an all boy high school in New York City. Uh, where academics were the priority and athletics not so much, but I was always uh, uh, athlete. Athletics came first, and um, went on to play at a Division two school in Connecticut, Southern Connecticut State College, and um, certainly loved the sport. Wanted to be an educator. Wanted to be a teacher like you, uh, and was exposed to three people. Uh, Kevin Gilbride, who eventually became the head coach at uh, the San Diego Chargers, George DeLeon, who's been all over the NFL in, in college football. And my position coach was Paul Pasqualoni, uh, who then became the defensive coordinator at, at Southern. Did, did he end up then the, the, yeah. UConn, right? that? Was he at UConn? Well, yeah, he went to UConn. Paul started at Western Connecticut, went to Syracuse as an assistant coach with Coach McPherson. Okay. Uh, I became the head coach at Western Connecticut Division Three School when I was 27. So I was the youngest head coach in, in college football at that time. Uh, wanted eventually to be in, I wasn't good enough to play in major college, so I figured, you know, that was a goal to get to, uh, to coach there. So anyway, I became the head coach. Paul was an assistant at Syracuse. Paul became the head coach at Syracuse when Coach McPherson went to New England Patriots, and he hired me at Syracuse. And uh, I was there for 12 years, was the special teams coordinator for five years, and I had three first-team All-Americans. I had a guy by the name of Marvin Harrison, uh, Kevin Johnson, and, and Quinn Spotwood. So I was great at that point. I had a <laughs> kicker that uh, Nate Trout that – set the school scoring record. Uh, so when I had those guys, I, I was a great special teams coach. Uh, ended up going back and becoming the, or staying there and being the defensive coordinator for five years. We were let go and I came down to Ole Miss with Coach O. Uh, he, when he was the head coach in 2005 here at Ole Miss, I was the secondary coach and the special teams coordinator. We got fired 
uh, went to, for a year at Rutgers with Greg Schiano and then went to Marshall as the defensive coordinator. And we had talked about it earlier. Yeah. I was the defensive coordinator, but I was also the in charge of punt return punt block. I felt strongly about that. Uh, we was let go there, went to Columbia for two years back into New York City and it was awesome and being the being the DC and again being the the punt block coach uh was the acting head coach after coach Mangurian was let go I thought I had a good chance at that and uh they brought in a new AD and he wasn't going to hold on to me he's going to bring his own guy and then then for the last five years uh was the director of community relations special teams coordinator uh, I was the 10th and a half coach is what they, they considered that. Um, so I wasn't recruiting uh, and I wasn't technically on coaching uh, players and running meetings. Uh, and then in 2000, uh, just this past season, when Coach Kiffin took over, he chose not to retain me and whammo, here comes COVID. Yeah. So I started my own business. Uh, Coach Rip Consulting, and it, right now I'm focusing on helping uh, 2021, 2022, and 2023's kickers, punters, and long snappers in the recruiting process, and really enjoying it. I've got kids in 24 states, uh, so I'm having a lot of fun, and I get to meet guys like you, and, yeah. and uh, it's a, you know you're a coach, you're a people person. And this for me is, is like a fix chance to get to talk to you, get to know you, uh, maybe, you know, be able to answer some questions that yeah. people might have, uh, and develop a relationship. I hope that, you know, we can continue and, uh, and build from here. Yeah. And, and co- coaches that are listening information about his, um, business will be in the bio, uh, linked to his website and his Twitter and all that stuff as it normally is. But again, all that stuff will be there, and I'll remind everybody at the end of that. Um, but I, I do appreciate you coming on because anytime I can pick somebody whose brain with knowledge is always a good time, especially a vast knowledge. Like I, I made the comment when I fill out our exit interview, exit surveys with our head coach this year, it, it had a bunch of stuff on it. But one of the things was. Um, what did you do? What did you do right? What did you do wrong this year? Like in your opinion, like and you can go as long as short with that. I was like, I was like, well, and one of the things I did right is I, I listened to Coach Toby and Coach McKenna when they had something to say, and the reason and you don't know who those people are, but both of them have head coaching experience and been coached. Each of them have coached thirty years in the sport. Like I, I put on there, I'd be an idiot if I didn't listen to two, sixty years of combined experience. That doesn't right. mean I have to do what they say, but like if you don't listen to it. That's shame on me. Like that's it's it's not. But I I would say that about any profession. If you're not going to listen to people's experience, then you have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my experience, my 37 years in college coaching, and the and the people that I've worked with, and the people that I've had an opportunity to be with, who have influenced me, who I've influenced as the thing goes by. Um, you know, I, I've been elevated for successes, uh, one that I might have come up with, or secondly, that was a collaboration uh, and had opportunities presented to move up or, or whatever. Uh, I've also been on that other end where uh, been fired 
or not retained or missed out because decisions were made uh, either that I made or other people. So knowledge and application, it's, it's one thing to know uh, and there's another how to apply it. And I think that's the disconnect sometimes that younger coaches in particular, uh, they might have that knowledge, but how does it apply to, to your situation? You know, it, and it doesn't have to be verbatim. It, it can be within the spectrum. And you and I just spent, what, 15 minutes on PAT field goal protection. Uh, some people don't want to learn that. Some people get to the nitty gritty and why these things happen and are in tune to it before you go for the game winning field goal or the game winning PAT and they come off the edge or they come down the middle and you don't understand why, you know, be, be, be prepared to be able to answer those before you're in those situations. Yeah, no, I, I get you coach. Like, and like, that's where we got to be. And that's kind of where we're going to drive this conversation too, is about the details and a variety of other things. Because I mean, before before we even started, and like before we even came on air, and went, well on air, as I hold up quotation marks, this is all pre-recorded. It's not like this is live. Um, it like I mean, we had we we had three interesting conversations about the greatest football coach of all time, which is such a subject, <laughs> which is such a subjective argument. Um, the, the who's better, Michael or, or um, LeBron, which is a whole again also extremely subjective. And then the other one, which I thought was interesting, which I kind of want to dig deep into first before I even get into the um, organization details scouting, is how detail-oriented each special team is. Because I, I made the comment, and you agreed 100%, is when do you ever see anybody clinic on field goal PAT? Nope. Didn't happen. No, no, no. Like, I have to, have, I have to reach out to coaches and have private conversations. To, to, to yeah. even discuss that, um, and then, but you, you, I, I, I thought it was funny. And I wish I were recorded. That's what. Uh, hopefully, I can we we can re grasp that smaller rant you went on. The level of detail you need on field goal PAT is astounding. That people have no idea. Do you want to kind of go into like you don't get, you don't have to get down in techniques, but like what you have to factor in real quick. Sure. Uh, I. Yeah, yeah. The first thing that you've got to develop is, to me, um, you have to make a decision as as a coach and based on what your kicker is comfortable with. That's number one. Can he kick if the laces are back or do you have to have perfect laces? So the general, everybody out there from the snap is going to be seven yards. Well, it might be six and three quarters. It might be seven and a half, whatever. Uh, And that's based on the comfort level of of the kicker. Um, now the, to me, the, the most overlooked aspect is you, you get the offensive line coach up there and they say, okay, we're going to put our inside foot on the heel of the snapper. And in high school, you mentioned that you can't automatically interlock. So you're going to be, my inside foot is going to be on the heel of the man to my inside and on the snap of the ball, I'm going to interlock and we're going to stay low. And, uh, you know, We'll get into those other particulars, but now you're at a point where you have a tight end and you have a wing. Okay. So you're coaching the PAT team and your people aren't getting the overlap. So you're getting interior penetration. 
So immediately the coach is going to say, well, we got to tighten that down and we got to overstep the interlock between the guard and the snapper, the tackle and the guard, the tight end and the, and the tackle. That's great, coach. Knock yourself out. The problem now is edge pressure. For every half a step that you're bringing to the inside, you're decreasing that edge pressure. And the angle that that player has to take in order to, to make the block. And that, of course, you know, everybody on, on PAT field goal block is talking about, do I go two hands, one hand? Am I allowed to leave? At what point is it all? You know, that's the other side of the, the conversation. But as soon as you start to tighten down on that snapper, you're making the edge shorter. So now I got my tight end. What are you going to do with them? Are you going to double bump them? Are you going to take your inside leg and you're going to bring it inside the tackle? And now I'm going to work to punch out and my wing. What is his position? Are we going to start cocked on a 45 degree angle and two hand punch? Well, if I two hand punch and I overstep the tight end, there's the angle to the inside, a shorter distance to the field goal to be blocked or the PAT to be blocked. So now I'm going to sit him in there. Now I'm going to do what with the wing? You know, is the wing going to be separated and now step to the inside? And the second that he steps to the inside, he's going to put his outside leg is going to be extended. So now that edge can step over. So all of those things don't happen. You don't answer those questions until you get a block. And now it's a fire drill. And now the head coach, this coach, that coach are all scrambling around on how do you fix that? And the only way that you can fix it is in preseason camp or spring practice, you have to go live. Now, parts can be inside live, parts can be outside live. You can do one side, the other, but you have to have those questions answered before you get into the game. And why the frustration would be with me taking them through a walkthrough and then keep hammering away at our head coach. I need live field goal. I need live field goal. I need live field goal. I just need three of them. That's what I need. And I'm going to draw up the block because I want to expose my tight end wing every year for the last five years. We struggled that first day because the timing was bad. Now that tight end you know, everybody's looking at the snap, right? Is that how you coach it? You know, every, the yeah. front line, the, the guards, the tackles, and yeah. the tight ends are all looking. Well, the reactionary time of that wing is based on that tight end. So that tight end is the furthest way, man away from the snap. He also feels pressure. He's got to do a great job of focusing on that. And the second that he's late, there's interior pressure between the tackle and the tight end. And it's a delay reaction by the wing. So you opened up a can of worms by asking me that question because I just spent five minutes on what nobody spent more than five minutes on in most of their career. No, that's why I wanted you to come on and like, this is why I like talking to people who have experience, like, because of that conversation. Like I had the same, I had, like, I did a, I had talked to a Tulane coach and we spent 45 minutes talking um, just field goal PAT, like legitimately, like that. That was a that was a long conversation. Their special team assistant, who's a very good dude, I I, I love him to death. Um, he's been really good to me. Um, we spent forty five minutes on that. Like, I mean, but also at the same time, I spent um, 
shit. Mm, probably 30 minute, 30, 35 on onside and onside recover with uh, the special teams quality control guy at Colorado. Like, I don't, like, one, our, our area gets ignored half the time anyways, and that's what, that is what it is. I've accepted that little aspect. I, I was very fortunate to work for the past two years for a head coach um, who gave me the time I need when I asked for it. Um, he, he, oh, it was very, I was very lucky in that aspect. Um, but, like, you don't always get that, and then, on top of that, you gotta figure out what works, what doesn't. I mean, I, I, I two, two different years, I, I tried something different to start the year on field goal PAT. Didn't work. Scrap it. Yeah. Go back to what you're doing. I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, here's here a, and again, you're young. Um, you stay and if you watch, you watch Alabama today, right? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay, Alabama's got starters on special teams. Mm-hmm. Rare. It's yeah. rare. Okay, that's number one. Rare. And and secondly, there's two really big things that happened that's prior to your age group in as far as in relation relates to, to special teams. Number one is the 20-hour rule, okay, affected college football, and really there's not a lot of people that have talked about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it, 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 you say that, but... They're going to push the 20 hour rule, but not because of special teams. Yeah. So they took away offensively the philosophy changed. It's not that the I formation isn't any good. It's the I form time that you have to put in on the I formation and play action pass to different blocking schemes. You don't have that time anymore. So you're not lining up. Okay, they're in it. They're in a four-three. They're in a three-four. They're jumping to three-three five. They're whatever they're doing. You don't have time to make those checks and adjustments in the timing of the play. So now they went back. Went to a more a fast tempo RPO, which is basically triple option. But yeah, you know, it's, it's different gonna, gonna But so the twenty-hour rule really, really hurt special teams. The second thing that happened is in relation to shift to that is the players that you have on the field, you're losing fullback tight end types. They're not there anymore. You're, you're losing the linebacker type because you went from having three or four of those guys to two, because now you're using the hybrid guy to go play out on, on two detached. Right. And, you know, is that an outside linebackers a defensive line? So you're losing a group of players that are a foundation to special teams, return teams and coverage teams. And, you know, we, we were fortunate that uh, when you look at three guys right now in the NFL that had great years, okay. Evan Ingram was a three-star player, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Okay. Two receivers that have blown up the NFL this year. Yeah. Right. Uh do you really think that the offensive coordinator wants me to have AJ Brown or DK Metcalf on any special team? No. And do you think they want to be? No. Well, they did AJ not as much as DK, but how are you because of the lack of numbers and how are you going to use these wideouts because they're running nine million routes? How are you going to use them on a, on a special team? Uh, so you're dealing in a numbers game plus the second level kids. It, it, the whole dynamics have changed, and, and 
to be good, you need a personnel management kind of guy that can handle that, that can motivate the DKs and, and uh, the AJs, the guys that can get uh, the head coach to let Evan Ingram be on your punt team, to motivate and come up with concepts that your second level players can have success and that you can have success with them being on the field. So there's the my rate of of where special teams is in in 2020 2021. Well, I, I get you 100 percent, and I, I battled that too a little bit. Like it was usually on punt was usually my biggest battle to get starters on there. But I think, I mean, we we all know the old the old adage about punt being the most important play. Um, I would argue punt and kickoff because both they can yeah. score fairly quickly and both lead to bad field position. But whatever. Um, yep. Yeah, that's, that's semantics, in my opinion, arguing over that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but again, I, I, that, that's the part of detail that also gets missed is the personnel. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do what I can to get the, the twos in if I can afford it. But you need to understand that on punt and kickoff, there is a chance that one, your opponent can score. Two, if they don't score, even if you have bad – not, I'm not going to say bad kids. If you have kids that are of lesser athletic ability, um, they have a greater chance of getting a better return, which is going to put them in good field position. And we've all seen the eight different variations, 80,000 different variations of this is where, when they're in this part of the field, they score this percentage of time, they see this percentage. It, we've, all, that, that, that chart has been beat to death at this point. But, yeah, that, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Okay, Point the ball to Christian Kirk. Yeah. At Texas A&M. Go ahead. Go, yeah. go line up and say, I'm going to line up with a punt team, and Christian Kirk is going to sit back there, and he can change the game any play. I, and he's and he wants to. You, you remember uh, when Devin Hester was in the league? Yeah. You couldn't yeah. kick to Devin Hester. Devin Hester was going to score. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Hey, so like, you're, you know, that, that goes, goes decently, and now it's the incorporation of – um, the, you know, what kicker do you have? What punter do you have? And yeah. all those other things. But, um, yeah, personnel is a huge, uh, you know, and, and then I don't know how it is with you guys from a roster standpoint, but in the SEC, when you're in an SEC game, you can't have more than 65 kids on the field. Yeah, I, yeah. that's what you're traveling squad. That's who's dressed. So, Again, you're taking a, a number of their the the wide receiver coach is banging the table to get nine. So he's got the X, he's got the Z, and he has the you know whatever other guy they call him, X the Z and the H. <laughs> right? So they want to be three deep. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then the DB coach is saying, "Well, I need seventeen because you know I got four guys here, and we got to be the you know so really you get your the, special the, package where a fifth guy comes in and." Your line coach yeah. needs his nine to ten at and, least. And the D line coach is saying, "I got to have these guys because of the rush." And the offensive line coach is saying this because of the amount. You know, we're running tempo and all this. You know, and then you're going to carry three quarterbacks no matter what, and none of them are holders. I mean, it, it just, it, <laughs> it, um, you know, it's funny those the meetings on Thursdays where you are the special teams coordinator and you're going over the travel squad. Um, sometimes it gets pretty hairy. I yeah. mean, you know, there's times where you're playing the game and you're politicking from Monday through Thursday. Uh, 
But when Thursday comes around and, and, you know, they finally get to the special, okay, who else do you need? Uh, well, I need that guy who was a starter there. I got to be able to put him on my, you know, he was working with the twos, but he's legitimately a two, or I need this guy. Um, and then when you're going out there and like you said, all of a sudden the kid coming back and he's banging his head on the goalpost and you're the jerk and you sit, told him on Thursday, I needed that guy and you didn't give him to me, you know, because he had X amount of plays to play on defense or offense or, or, or however the scenario was, um, so you got to have thick skin. You know, you want to be the special teams coordinator, have thick skin. Yeah, exactly. And um, by the way, uh, we were talking about the games. Alabama's already up 14 nothing at the end of the first wow. quarter. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, and I think that's underrated just in general. Um, kind of moving on, I, I, I also want to ask about your offseason. Um, what does that normally look like for you for a special teams from the day, from, I, I, and this, I, this will probably induce a long answer, which I'm fine with. I have no problem with that. What, from the time your season ended and you knew you were coming back to the school you were at to, yep. say, spring ball, what did that look like for you in terms of prepping for the next year? I, I, obviously, you're doing recruiting and other stuff in there, but in terms of the X and O's and the prep for next year and drills, what did that process look like from that endpoint to spring practice? Well, I, I think it, it goes back to my background had been uh, when I was named the special teams coordinator at Syracuse, Paul Pascaloni walked in. He said, OK, here's you're going to be the special teams coordinator. Offense, defense, special teams are the same. The offense has a playbook. The defense has a playbook. You're going to have a playbook. It's going to be exactly like the offense. And I had been a defense coordinator, head coach, so I knew what he was talking about. But it was going to be that detail. The the, pro, the practices were going to be written up. The Everything was going to be the same as, as the others were. So that was my background. That's how it was going to be done. From the conclusion of the season at this level, one of the things that I did right away was I made the senior highlight videos for NFL coaches. So every one of my kids that was that that played, that was a senior or, or whatever, they had highlight tapes made of them from the time that they played. So that any time a pro scout came in, the pro scout didn't have to look at game video and try to find this kid. So my first year at Ole Miss to the second year Ole Miss, all of a sudden I got interest and the kids started to buy in because here it was for the for the the guy coming in and, and they would walk out and they say you know that was impressive you know whoever you're whatever coach is responsible for doing that he owes you or you owe him because he made it easy for me i got to see all your special teams play so that started to develop that so i would go over that and then it was no different than offense or defense it was quality control you know offensively uh kickoff kickoff return punt punt return pat field goal pat exactly what the call was and you would categorize it um you know here's kickoff coverage versus a five two 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 or versus a six one two one or whatever and you would group those up and study how the returns were and then categorize those again by not necessarily the coverage but the concept that you were attacking 
from a punch standpoint, what were the looks that you were getting so that you can prepare that for spring practice? What were the positives? What were the negatives? What did you see as we were uh, a three-man shield team uh, that we had a, an Aussie punter when I first got here and we pretty much stayed with the three-man shield but did a lot of different things with it. Um, and so you would evolve that and you would do your, you know, uh, professional growth. You would call people and, you know, our access, of course, uh, is a lot easier than you guys have access to other teams. So you would study what they were doing. And, um, so the preparation was evaluate your personnel, evaluate your scheme and find out what was good and build on that and make a decision of the things that weren't as successful. Was it worth building on and fixing or getting rid of or supplementing? And that happened for every single, you know, the six teams. How, how long did, I mean, obviously you have GAs and quality control guys who can help you here and there, depending on the school and your resources and all that. How long was that process usually? Uh, well, when you took away, recruiting um you know now my situation for the last five years it was me i didn't have an assistant and i liked it that way you know i mean i i wasn't allowed on the road recruiting all my recruiting was like you and i right now you know i was able to either facetime kids or whatever but um it was, it was, you know, basically off season. You're in the office. And for me, I was in the office at seven 30 and I was leaving at six and that was five days a week, but then you had recruiting, you know, at this level, uh, and it, at not only at this level, but in the division that we were in or, or the conference that we're in the sec, there's two seasons, you know, you got to win the press conference. If you're in the sec, you better win February or now it's December and February. So the pressure to sign the best class and be accountable and everything else was, um, no different than the season. And I don't know if that's the same in the ACC or the PAC 10 or the big 10 or the big 12. Um, uh, but in the sec, you know, you're, you were gonna, you, you were gonna, you had to win. So that kind of influenced it. Um, spring practice days are different in, in the South than they were in the Midwest or the North or whatever, because of the, you know, we would start spring practice in the last week of February, first week of March, and we would be done in April so that they could go out and uh, do junior recruiting, you know, while the high schools are down here because the high schools are out in, you know, the beginning of May. Now they start again in August 1st or 2nd. Yeah. So the timing, well, all that is a little bit different, I think, relative to the, the geography of the, the different schools. Yeah. All right. I mean, that, that's I, like I said, I'm always curious on how people do things and breakdowns. Cause I, I know like one of my buddies is severely into it, but he's also a former um, college special teams guy and quality control guy and director of football ops. So um, I'm always just curious on how that process works for you. Um, well, you're going to, you, if you had a question, there would be a cut up for it. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, there, there's, you have a question, say, what did you do on this against this? Uh, okay. And it would be categorized and built year over year. Um, yeah, I have uh, <laughs> everything that I've done is on video. Yeah. Uh, when I found out that you could have an external hard drive, 
all the old playbooks, all the old video, all the, the is on an external hard drive. And then I, I've gone back, you know, I've gone back from uh, punt fakes from one year to the next, you know, I didn't carry it to two years down the line saying, Hey, this was pretty good. And in this situation, um, I was a big, I really liked kickoff coverage. Uh, the concept that we came up with and the multiplicity, but simplicity of it. So yeah. everybody had their own responsibility, always had the same, but we would line up in different spots. Sometimes we'd shift. Sometimes we'd hit it on the run, but you would have to be able to know exactly the Jersey numbers in order to block people. So hypothetically are, you're not going to block the one. If you're on kickoff return, yeah, you're not going to block yeah. the one, right? Well, what would you do if I put my number five, my sniper at the one spot? You didn't count him. And to me, he's my best coverage guy. So I would line him up over here. I would line up over here, or I would shift him from over there to over there. And now you had to make the count because most, most teams are going to make counts and say, okay, you know, 17 is four. And then we're, you know, the front line for us was we blocked four, three, and two with our six men up front. So four, three, and two, and we would delegate, call it back and all that other stuff. Well, we're not counting who really is number five because yeah. this guy was this, this guy was this. Uh, so what you saw in 2019 maybe wasn't shown in since 2016, but I had had success with it. The personnel was similar and this is how I would come back, you know, in, in, um, Here's you, you would teach concepts. I mean, kickoff coverage, you're teaching concept on how to handle a double team, right? They're going to double team the four. They're going to ambush or double team out the three. Sometimes they double team the three and kick the two. They're in man concepts or whatever. How are you going to do that? And that's the off-season study of, I'm going to give you this one. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, here's something that, and again, I've coached, football for for 37 years in college and and was always in was not always the coordinator but i always coached a position even when i was the dc i wanted to be part of the special teams and if they wouldn't give me anything then i wanted to be on kickoff coverage that was my favorite um but this took me 37 36 years when you coach kickoff coverage right you're running down the field mm -hmm. and you talk about the contact zone right yeah what is your what is your contact zone? My contact zone. How far away from the ball carrier do you have to engage that blocker? I usually say ten to fifteen. I usually I give my kids I give high school kids a range because if you tell them a hard set one, it's not going to be accurate anyway. They're never going to hit the accurate one, so you just give them a range. It usually works better. Right. Okay. So you're saying fifteen yards. Yeah. Right. Contact zone. You de you define it as the contact zone. Yeah. Okay. Now tell me your technique. Usually it's the button press, 90% of the time, yeah. Button press, right? Yeah. Drive him back, and you do the drill, and he's driving him back, and you throw him away to now make the tackle. Yeah. Okay? So we have a great kickoff returner, okay, Jalen Jones. And then he got hurt, and he came back, and we had Elijah Moore. Uh, what I found was when you engage – in the contact zone, yeah. you lost. 
you're done. Okay. You, when he's running, you can't get off that block in time to make that play. And I re- was watching all of our kickoff returns and really good kickoff return guys. They're doing a great, they're doing exactly what we coached them to do. And the ball showed and they tried to get off and maybe they did. They couldn't make the play. The returner was running. I mean, he's a four, 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 five guy. He's flying by and you're a four, six, four, seven guy coming off engagement. You can't make that play. So we changed it to bang and off. You had to get off them. So it was a shock. It wasn't an engagement and drive. It was shock and off. And now I'm in position. I'm not locked in. And now I can make a play. 36 years took me to come up with that. Because <laughs> well, wait, that, you watch, go back and watch your film, and well, you're going to find that out. But but to your point, like that's that's where you go. And and this is a statement a lot of coaches hate, but it it that's the way it starts is. We do something because that's always the way it's been done. Until, until and it you, makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Like, but at the same time, you're like, there's always that's a bad reason to do things. And, but I, but you, yeah. It, it, somewhere along the line, you had success. It made sense. Yeah. And maybe at some point, you know, the the returner wasn't a dynamic returner, and you were able to do that. But in reality. It, it, and and to me, it was always, hey, I could come up with a drill to do that. You know, I always love let's avoid the can, you know, the thing. And there's the guy, the second team guy with the with the bag. And I hit him, and I drove him, and the returner went that, and I had four guys going at a time, and it was a great drill. Well, that went to hell. You know, we went, to, we started to go two guys at a time and butt and shove, and now come off and, and tag somebody off, and we became, and we had to do that. Because as crazy as this sounds, and I worked very diligently on it, Nick, I wanted a kicker that could put the ball in the end zone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And there's, you know, my business now, finding kickers, punters, and long snappers, uh, or working with them in recruiting, uh, my number one thing is, can you put the ball in the end zone? Because I don't want to have to deal with that. Okay? But they don't do it. No, you know, they, 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 they don't, you're not, it's hard to find the kid that's going to kick the ball 65 yards in the air for hack time. And so now I'm dealing with kids. Well, coach, I don't have kickoff. So my coach wants me to sky it. Yeah, I get that. We did that in the SEC yeah. because I couldn't get the kid in the, you know, to get the ball in the end zone. He's catching it on the five. It's 3.7. I don't have the, the the personnel doesn't have a chance to get down there. Yeah. You know. No, I, so I, I get you 100%. Like, I mean, that's that's a con- – I mean, I've had, I think, one in 10 years that I could put in the end zone, but that wasn't consistent. Like, it was every now and then. We had we had one touchback this year, and that's because it landed on, like, the four and rolled through the end zone. That's the only <laughs> reason. I don't know. I was – oh, you don't understand how happy I was because it was, like, one of the last two weeks of the season. Like, I was on, on virtual cartwheel mode. Um, like it was great. Like if you could just see how the kids could just see how happy I was. Like, like oh yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. You know, there, there's no risk of something. They start at the twenty. We're good. Beautiful. Well, Done. There's, there's, Go. There's no. Um, you know. So now you're looking at, uh, and, and again, transition with 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 philosophies offensively and defensively. 
um, I can fair catch the ball and get it at the 25. Mm-hmm. So at what point as a head coach and as a, as a special teams coordinator and, and influenced by the offensive coordinator, at what point do I say, okay, try to take it, you know, don't call the fair catch, yeah. return it. So, you know, I know guys that, that I've coached against that if you put the ball, he's on the, we're, we're a hash mark kick team. If you put the ball in the middle of the field or to the opposite hash, it was a fair, fair catch. If you put the ball to the same side that you kicked it and it didn't go in the end zone, they're bringing out. That's the only time they would bring it out because they didn't, the the plus versus the minus from them, you know, starting behind the 25 when we get a free 25. My thought has always been take the son of a bitch out. I'm going to take, because you're going to be scared to death every time you kick the ball off. Now you might get X amount inside the, inside the 20, yeah, but every time you kick that off, you're holding your nuts in your hand that he's not banging the thing at the thirty, and now everybody's heads on a swivel looking at him going down the field. Yeah, that's yeah. scary. Hundred percent. Like, I mean, but that—that's true. Uh, kick off and punt. You're just like, uh, <laughs> like it just. Yeah. Because like, yeah, well, it's so the much... same. It's what's your philosophy on punt block? Uh, I'm aggressive as crap on that. Like, I mean, what do I got? I mean, worst case, I rough the. The punter, which sucks, but I, you, you, how aggressive I've been in the past two years. I, I think we've had one in two years with how aggressive we are. But yep. to me, like here's here's our thing. At the high school level, punting is so erratic that yeah. like I, I I can like I've put together spray charts for my returners and stuff. When the the field is, when it's literally the whole field like shredder. Like, 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 this is why I go for the block. Because setting up a return, like, the only way I'm going to field one consistently is if I put two people back there. The problem with two, two people back there is now I open up fake possibilities for them. And I have, yep. I have found as a high school special teams coordinator, if I'm bringing pressure, the statistical odds of them running a fake is fairly slim. Yep. I, I've had zero fakes ran against me in two years. Yep. So why... I would rather take a chance of blocking it or forcing you to shank the ball because your operation, because your punter's worried or block it because your operation time sucks. Yep. Oh, if I were a high school coach, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, how often does a high school co- punter and snapper work together with pressure? Yeah. They don't. No, they I, know I, I, mean. I do, but like, that's just because I'm paranoid about it. Cause I know my philosophy. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the, I'm with you. Like when I see when I see the looks you guys get for punt return, uh, a punt team, I, I just laugh. I'm like, I'm never gonna see that. This 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 is hundred percent useless for me. Like, <laughs> I, I, I who was I, I? I was talking to somebody the other day. Like, nobody rushed. They just stood there checking for a fake on a rugby. Nobody yeah. like I've never seen that. Like that I've never gotten that look once in my entire life. So what like. This is well, again, it goes back to we want the ball. Yeah. We want the ball. Don't give them a chance. We want the ball wherever you're going. And, um, you know, we didn't – in one year, we were so bad on defense. And for the last couple of years, Ole Miss has not been good on defense. Was the thought of you possibly running into the punter and giving them a chance to start again, we finally stopped them and you're giving them another chance, no way, Jose. And that goes back to what you and I had talked about earlier philosophically is 
If I'm the DC, I'm running the pump blocking. I'll know when to make the decision to go after it where I feel confident or when I don't. When I think that we should get a return, my return concepts, return concepts on punt return are, are you know, you're you're either running a, a wall return or you're running a hold up return. There you go. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm gonna have, <laughs> and I'm gonna have. A, Auburn used to do a really good job of doubling the gunner, but taking one guy and flying him off at the last part. Oh yeah, and then yeah. bringing it back across and running a reverse. Um, I thought that. Here's a question for you. We're on punt, real quick. Yeah. All right. You got two returners, right? To your, you're the punt team. You got two deep returners. How do you know who gets the ball? How how would I know who gets the ball? So you're punting the ball. They got two returners. You're going to cover. How do you know which returner is going to get the ball? Well, I would hope my punter would give me a directional call as he punts it, as he should. Um, that and, would... But there's there's it wasn't 2020 and there's a crowd in there and there's noise and everything else and I'm running down the field I can't hear them well you, then, then under that circumstance I would tell them who to which who to punt to like that's part of my scout is I don't want you punting to a punt to B or punt it out of bounds like those are the like three options now a good special teams coordinator once he sees up say I'm just kicking to my right would flip the returners. But that's where, as a special teams coordinator, I need to be able to adjust. And also, I need to do a good job enough kick coaching up my punter and saying, do not, under any circumstance, kick the number 16. Do not, <laughs> not, in a, not within a five-yard period. Do not go anywhere near him. Now, he's a high school kid, so he'll mess up the first time and so kick to him. But, <laughs> but that, that, that's how I handle that situation. Now, because you might have better punters, but I've no. worked with the punters, guys. There's no guarantee. No. I mean, there's no guarantee that he's going to kick, you know, there, the one guy is on five yards on the hash and one guy's kind of inside the hash or whatever. Here's, here's the kick. This is your, this is what you're paying me the millions of dollars for, for today is <laughs> as you cover the back judge, look at, as you're covering the guy that's in the back, the official that's in the back is always looking at where the ball is going. Okay. So if that guy is looking, you said, just like you did, I told my guy, he's got to punt it to the right. What's and it? we're all thinking the right, but he shanked it. And it went to the left. How do you know? Look at the bat, the, the guy in the back, because he's watching where the ball is. So as you start to cover and you see that official, you said right, but that official's looking to the left, go to the left. Yeah. There you go. That took me another, that was another 30 years. I didn't know at all. <laughs> no, that, that, again, details. Uh, yeah. Like, this is absolute details. That's, oh, this is fantastic. Like, I mean, is there any other, like, and, and this is a wide spectrum. I'm about to, about to cast a net into. Um, is there any other little like cheap nuggets that you kind of figured out after 20, 30 years of coaching? And I know special that's a, teams, special teams wise. Yes. Um, my gut feeling is if you're in, in, and I've lost games because of it, if you, If you're down by one in the fourth quarter, go for two. 
go for the win. Yeah. Don't put it on. Don't put it on the kicker. Even to tie the game with one, unless you he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and you, and you would let him date your daughter. <laughs> if not, uh, uh-uh. go for the win. I've lost two games because our kicker went to tie it. One hit the left upright. One hit the right upright. Go for two. Go for the win. Your offense got you there. Go for the win. Don't put it on a kid who, for 90% of practice that week, is on his own. Can do anything he wants to do. And now you're telling him he's got to go out there and execute. And that was originally... It's funny how I ended up as being a special teams coordinator because I hated kickers and punters. When I was in college, we had a a kid, and I I won't give you his name, but he was number 99. 99 on the field, number one in your heart. And he was about 5'8", 300. And all he did was kick and be weird. And we were playing our arch rivals my senior year, and all he had to do was kick the PAT to win it. It was a 59-and-a-half-minute game of just awesome football and it came down to this guy who did nothing and he lost us the game and i hated him and i hated kickers until i was told that i have to coach kickers punters and long snappers yeah uh, and to put them so our practices were um and i would do this again if even if i coached the position was a special teams coach again my kickers and punters would get their work done and we would do special teams drills, right? Yeah. But I had a script during practice that this that the the manager had. So at third period, we would yell out punt. And the snapper and the punter had to go out and they had to snap and punt the ball. At eight minutes or ten minutes or twelve minutes he would yell out field goal and he would place the ball there because the biggest problem that you have, I have, anybody has in part of my business, which is going to develop is how do you stay focused throughout a game and how do you transition to concentration where you can handle your job? And none of that has ever worked. You don't work on that during the season. You know, you're doing your deal and everything else, and those guys had their special teams period, and then who cares what they do? Even if you say you do, you don't. Um, Make them work. Make them stay focused and video it. There's always – you have at your high school, you have a guy that can stand there, whoever it is, and videotape those kids based on your script and make them accountable. And you're going to go back in and, you know, right before dinner or whatever – and you throw it out in the, and you say, hey, dude, here was the punt. You were on the 35, 45-yard uh, the, the line, and we called for sky punt, and you blasted it out of the end zone. There's accountability there that can transfer over to what's happening in the game. Those are things that you can control. And as much as you can control, as you know in this business, there's a lot of stuff you can't control that, that affects you. So take care of the stuff that you can control. And that, and that was one, and again, that was 36 years. 
it took me to realize that that's what I should be doing with my kickers, my punters, and my long snappers. Make them stay in tune. Get them ready for the game because that's how the game is. They'll have an idea of when the punt is going to happen or when the kickoff is going to happen or when the uh, field goal is going to happen. They don't really at the kickoff, but stay involved in practice because right now they're not. Right now they're doing their own deal, right? Yeah. No. And, I, and, Coach, I think that's a great way to end it. Last little nuggets of advice. Um, coaches who are listening to this um, or watching it, either either on the 18 gajillion things I put this on, um, <laughs> um, Coach's contact information will be in the bio, his Twitter, um, also his website if you want to learn more about his consulting service and the other stuff he is doing right now. Um, he's got all kinds of stuff on there um, that I kind of looked over when we started talking. Um, so please reach out to him if you have any questions. Um, Coach, as you can kind of see today, is very detail-oriented, um, and, that, and that's just what we were able to fit into. I, I don't even know how long we went, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it is this ends up being. Um, but that, that's just 45 minutes, an hour of that. That's without getting into super specifics either. That was just the glossary version of, of all of it. <laughs> and, heck, we didn't even touch really touch on – Punt that much, punt punt block that much, or field goal. We didn't even talk about field goal block. Um, so, like I said, that, that, that's a whole nother set or onside or on on hands. That's a that's yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. So um, yeah, please reach out to him. Please talk to him. Um, please give him a follow on Twitter um, if you if you need to get a hold of him or have any questions or ideas. Coach is a, is a wealth of knowledge. Um, And then that was another episode of the Kick and Cover podcast. Thank you. We'll see you next week.